do me a favour, if you are listening, please hit the subscribe button, like, share, rate, review the podcast. It really means more than you realise. I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. Stephen, how you doing, mate? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Sorry, we're we're running a few a few minutes behind. No, no, that's all right. Mate, we, uh, the, the live show overruns slightly with a couple of delays, so we're, yeah, I'm playing a little bit of catch-up, but we're, uh, we're there, we're there. Oh, no, that's all, it's all good. I always do, like, a little bit of office work, like, when I get home anyway, so I was able to catch up with a few bits. Oh, mate, fair play. Well, listen, so grateful for your time, mate. Thanks for jumping on. And look, we're going we're gonna to jump straight in. So um, t- tell me, what, where, where does your passion for food come from? And and, and did you know from a young age that you, you wanted to be a chef? Well, I always enjoyed eating. I think that was like <laughs> always a good, a good start. But, you know, both of my parents were in the industry and it kind of just felt like second nature being around like commercial kitchens or, you know, like being part of hospitality. I've always loved like cooking for family and friends from like a young age and just seeing how food brings people together, um, you know, was, was always something that I wanted to pursue. Yeah. I love that you are. I'm half Greek Cypriot, so for me, food and sitting around a table. I grew up sitting around a table, big Greek family. Yeah. Food was part of our culture. Now I'm I'm a massive foodie, so I was I was buzzing to know that you'd be able to come on and obviously wanted to catch that. So, so your parents were in hospitality, so that was that was a route that you always thought, oh, I I, I want to go there and, and get into. It was that. always like a backup option, a hundred percent, just because I could see, you know. I mean, it's not an easy industry, but I knew that like my parents had, had been there, done that and been like successful in there. And yeah. that was kind of like my inspiration to pursue that. Um, but, you know, I think like a lot of young boys, I wanted to be like a footballer. So when that didn't work out, I could fall back on on, on hospitality. Yeah. yeah, play. You still play now? Uh, I mainly do like charity games. Uh, to be honest, like it's hard work. <laughs> like my yeah. fitness levels are so bad, and like running around for ninety minutes isn't isn't good. Yeah, yeah. I feel you, mate. I feel you. I used to play a lot myself. Not, not so much now. Not so much. I'm getting on. But look, I, w- I want to talk. There's there's obviously a narrative out there. Like working certainly within hospitality, especially in kitchens, um, can be extremely tough. Sometimes slightly maybe a toxic environment. Um, can you talk to me about your experience, especially as like a young chef in the industry, like first starting out? Is that talk, talk to me a bit about the about the culture and? Yeah, know. I'd say um, you know I've been a chef for over twenty years, and when I started to where it is now as an industry, I mean it's not perfect now, but the journey that the industry has been on is like astronomical. Like if you if you think now you can't even turn the TV channel over without seeing a cooking program or someone you know talking about food or whether it's on youtube or or instagram like it's really blown up and it all really started with like jamie oliver like sliding down the um, banister like you know <laughs> scooting around on his moped and, and kind of making cooking fun but for that you know i kind of just saw the last bit of that sort of like toxic industry where it was literally like you just you were work you were there to be a slave basically and if you if you if you didn't go along with it you were out and 
if you if you messed around with the wrong people, that was your CV done. You weren't going to get another job at, at a high level restaurant. And you know, to see how that's changed over the years, I think. I mean, part of me thinks like I wish I'd come into the industry now, you know, because I do <laughs> see like the benefits that these new chefs are getting. But then also, I'm really proud to be part of that change. Yeah, sure. And I guess like so from that, like with that in that environment when you still first started out and and where there was those challenges, like you said that because you hear them stories, don't you? Of uh, mm. um, couple of people been interviewing them stories about how it how it was so so brutal and so ruthless within that that, that sort of industry and I talk, talk to me about so when you first started out so some of the places that you worked at in, in the early stages talk, talk to me a little bit about that, that yeah journey. so I mean my, my background's always been like country house hotels so it's never it's never been where a lot of the stories come from like central London like Michelin yeah. style restaurants I never I never delved into that but there was still that culture of, you know, you're working like 80, 90 hours, you know, you're sworn at constantly, you know, I did see chefs getting beaten up in the fridge, you know, you know, there's a lot of stories that have happened that almost just felt the norm. Um, but, you know, like I go back, I always compare like restaurants to, to football, because I think there is, you know, like, even if you look at football now, like Alex Ferguson was like tearing apart footballers like back then you know it's not just our industry that there was that that pressure cooker of um of almost using violence to get your own way i'm sure a lot of industries can relate to that and yeah. i think it's just how they've changed i think hospitality was almost like one of the last ones to change yeah sure uh, talk about alex first i hear you're a united fan is that right yeah that's right yeah <laughs> i'm not saying i'm not saying that too loudly at the moment <laughs> a little birdie told me before i was coming on so he said not mention that, not mention that. <laughs> we, we, we won't delve into that mate we won't delve into that we'll, we'll leave that <laughs> but um no i'm 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 keen to as well like, like i said be, being a big foodie talk to me about like obviously your journey obviously starting your, your your own restaurant and being involved in that in, in hospitality but talk, talk to me about march 2020 um obviously hospitality was you know it's the, one of the industries hit the hardest by the global pandemic but tell me about your mindset as a restaurateur at, at that time i was almost in disbelief if, I, if i'm honest like there was so many changes happening so quickly that it was hard to keep up and i mean i still remember like sat round, we always do a briefing before service. So I think it was like a Friday night, we're fully booked. And then the announcement came that we had to close. I think Boris said like, we need to close tonight. And we were like, does that mean that we can't do service tonight? Or does that mean we can still do service? And literally the, the feeling was so weird where we had like guests calling up to cancel. So we lost half the restaurant on cancellations because they didn't want to go out there too scared. And then we yeah. picked up those cancellations because there's people just going out because they could see what was going to happen. They almost wanted that last supper and it was just yeah. a surreal moment. And it was like just a, like a mix of emotions because you had all that going on. My team were asking me for answers that I didn't have at that stage. All we knew we had to close. We didn't know what was going to happen to them. We heard stories about, it was like Gordon Ramsay sacking like 40 members of staff, which just adds to the fear on, on that day. Um, and, and, you know, it didn't really get any easier as, as time went on. We're almost getting the answers after, you know, like a couple of months after we needed them. Yeah, sure. 
and Addy then, uh, I guess, like I said, the, with the lack of communication that come from the government, but how do you then, you know, keep a team motivated and, and within that, that level of communication, I guess, with with them and what, what was that like? How did you... Yeah, was... I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a chef owner, so I see it from their point of view and I think they respect yeah. that, you know, and everything I do, it's for, it's for the team because I see yeah. them as such an integral part to to what we are as a business. And I just think being open and honest about it, um, you know, sometimes it's not easy conversations, you know, because we're talking to some guys that were having to go on to universal credit and others that were getting furlough. And, you know, there's that big question, like, is that fair? You know, and I don't have, you know, I can say it's not fair, but that doesn't solve their situation. Um, mm -hmm. And the only thing I could do was just try and be there for them, try and give advice because I was in the same situation as them. And I think I think the whole of the pandemic was like, it's all down to individuals. You know, for, for me, I've got three kids, so there was work to be done at home. My missus, um, she, she works in the care sector, so she was busy out and about. So our roles almost like completely reversed. Whereas oh, we had other chefs like starting up their own businesses, like doing bakery goods and, you know, really utilizing their skills that way. And it was just, there was no one shoe fits all, you know, for yeah. what happened with the team. I think it was almost just like going back into survival um, yeah. and, and seeing what you do to, to, yeah, to make money. Yeah. What, 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 what sort of things that, that did you do as well then during that time? Like you said, I guess obviously with your wife where you, you've got to have older kids, was it homeschooling or what was, what was that? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried my best at homeschooling. I probably did a terrible job, but you know, my, my kids are like 12, 10 and two. Um, yeah. So take that back. We literally had a newborn in, um, in, in lockdown, but what was, what was difficult? I mean, what was actually really nice for me was spending that much time with my kids yeah, because yeah, sure. being a chef, um you don't necessarily get those weekends off you know my, my time is sometimes like like monday tuesday nights off you know where the kids are going to bed early getting ready for school so to be able to like go on cycle rides with them every morning and and almost just being getting into that routine i was going to bed at like nine o'clock at night <laughs> you know i actually <laughs> felt like uh, almost like a normal person for you know for, for periods of lockdown um yeah. and it's just nice to connect to them but everyone's got their own story you know we've got a team of eight chefs at, at the restaurant and that they all did something different. You know, I, I heard about chefs you know, doing like takeaway, takeaway boxes or, you know, finish at home stuff. And loads of people are like, why didn't I do that? But I, my situation was different. I just yeah. didn't have the time to, to do that or the money to invest in that sort of project at that moment in time. Yeah. You know what? I think like you said, it, the amount of people I speak to on, on the show, and well, obviously the pandemic always comes into it um, somewhere. And so, some some businesses thrive during that time. Some businesses yeah. survive and whatnot. But like you said, I think ultimately it was just that that case of everyone's individual situation. It was just a survival point of view, wasn't it? I, I run at the time I was just running Fernbulls, an events company, like five aside football and golf and sport. It literally stopped completely. So at mine and my wife's roles were reversed. Well, she's a solicitor, criminal law, so she was playing up, similar to you, jumped in on the home schooling for a bit. And, uh, mate, he was, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not a teacher. No, me, me neither. It was, it was difficult. I was just like, how, 
how do they do this every day? I like it, it gave me a lot of admiration for them, to be honest. Yeah, mate, absolutely, absolutely. That, yeah, I was like, uh, mine were only, I've got twins today, it was like four. I think reception year at the time, so I, I got away a bit, a little bit. But what was surprising then, the second time round, my wife ended up in, um, she, she was on furlough, she took voluntary furlough, and she ended up um, looking after the kids. They went back after three months. She was a slitter, she was struck, she had things on the board and everything. Went back in, um, school email, go, God, the kids have come on really well. Do that one up. I didn't get that email when they went back. So about <laughs> but they did know how to make uh, Clifty Co. So, you know, every cloud. <laughs> every cloud. That's a, that is a great skill. It's a great skill. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. You, you mentioned about, because uh, I, I felt that as well, as much as the negative stuff that come out of COVID, there was obviously some positive since, like, especially family time, um, you know, being able to spend that time. I was the same running different businesses i'm always out and about and doing stuff so having that time with them i do look on that as a fun a fun moment but talk to me a little bit about work-life balance because obviously I, I can imagine that must be a struggle one bit as a business owner in general but running a, in hospitality as a chef how, how do you achieve that is is that a difficult thing yeah like i think i touched on it earlier you know i come from i come from the industry and you know i want to change the industry as well so with Etch, we're just open Wednesday to Saturday. So the team get three days off, which I think is really important. It's not obviously not the, probably not the three days that they would want, you know, they're not getting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but they're getting Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And although I don't get three days off, I think, you know, the way I try and balance it out is like Sunday, Sunday is family day. And then yeah. I'm normally doing like admin or trying to plan the week on the Monday, Tuesday to try and get as much done to give me that head start, but also you know, like food, what I've learned is, you know, like I learn a lot from eating out. I think I said it as well earlier, like I love eating and I love trying new food. So I just try and bring the family into that. You know, if, if we have to go out for a meal on a Monday, Tuesday night, you know, they don't mind that at all. It gets me yeah. out of the kitchen as well. So I'm not cooking for them. But, you know, I think it's, it's almost easier with hospitality because, well, maybe it's not because I, I never switch off. But you know I'm able to bring them on the journey as well you know if, I, if I'm part of a food festival they come along you know they experience that and you know they see me on stage and you know that they're part of that journey as well that's, that's an amazing thing I think that's something really important because I, 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 it's something I ask because I always struggle with it myself like trying to you just alluded to it then about about switching off mm. I really struggle with that yeah. I really struggle and I guess try and be present in them moments like when the kids are there when when you're there with the kids trying to be present in the moment because if you, your brain's constantly on stuff I, I find that I find that generally quite difficult um, I find it hard to switch off from like admin yeah yeah, you know, yeah like thinking about dishes and stuff like that that's the fun part but like you know when you get so on top of like doing your job and you're just like you don't want to let it slip and that's yeah. it's a competitive feeling but you are right you just have to you have to stop at some point and just be like look turn your phone off like i've been doing yeah. this thing recently where i'm just um just like deleting my social media apps yeah I you know like so i literally go on like post and then i'll just like delete it and then won't go back on for like a day or two days i just find it really clears my head because i don't know like i always get a notification then i go into it then i'm scrolling then i'm just like I'm almost just wasting time. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, it's almost like dangerous doing that. But it's a, I'm that sort of person though. Like as soon as I click onto the emails, like I was doing some emails before talking to you, yeah, and then yeah. I had that verge to like just get on top of it, like start it starts snowballing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's just trying to dedicate the right time. Like now is the right time because my kids aren't about, and then trying yeah. to free myself up when they are about. Yeah, it is. It's a, a, a balance. Is a, a balance. It's what works for for you. And I, I'm. I'm I always ask around that sort of thing because actually balance because you obviously your passion is in food and and you obviously love that as well so you love what you do so there's there's nothing with that you know I think that's what I I do I love the podcasting I guess is one of my favorite out of all the businesses I run I love this I love the conversation I love being involved in doing stuff like this but I think and because you do it's okay to be excited about it and it's okay to be involved and because it hopefully i'll be able to show the kids that and you inspire them to show that choose a path that you love doing choose a career that you love doing and this is and you get that satisfaction and enjoyment from that and that's okay to to show that as well yeah i, I really feel as well like the more i put in the more i get out as well yeah. you know like to it and if i didn't feel like that then of course i would i'd take my foot off the gas but mm-hmm. i honestly feel like if i can do some you know like catch you know catching up or or pushing on ahead then i'll, I'll do that um because i still feel young and energetic <laughs> i'm that good man well um i'd love to just talk a little bit about obviously some of the career highlights and stuff but like obviously master chef i could we couldn't come on and not talk about sort of master chef to talk, talk about that moment and it was life-changing for you like what, what that experience to, to talk to me a little bit about that yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, it's almost 10 years ago now. It's 10 years, like, next next year. So it's really flown by. And I think, for me, I just wanted to do it justice. So after winning, there's a lot of, I mean, you almost, I'm almost like a little celebrity for, like, a day or two days after. And then you literally <laughs> drop down, you know, to a Z list after that. But um, it's, it's just trying to do it, you know, I didn't want to just do my the same job I was doing. I really wanted to grab the opportunity and open my own restaurant. And that, that journey in itself took three three or four years after the show. It's it's not easy putting together a business plan and, um, you know, convincing people to invest money in, in your idea. It's very much like the Dragon's Den scenario. Yeah. But... I remember being on the show and it's it's just very, very surreal. I've always loved com- competitions, like cooking competitions, but normally they're behind closed doors. So if you yeah. do well, you can sing and shout about it. But if you do badly, I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> you know, that, that's yeah. happened. Uh, but the hard thing with MasterChef is it's being aired to like 6 million people or whatever it is, and they can see your every move. And if you make a mistake, then that's normally like the, the part that they want to capture. Um, yeah. But for, for me, the pressure was really on the on the beginning rounds rather than the end. And that sounds strange, but I think it's just like, again, back to football. As soon as you're like in the quarterfinal of the, the FA Cup and you're not expected to win, but you're, ex- you know, like you're expected to, to progress. Yeah. It's a great feeling. You can then enjoy the moment and, and take it for what it is. And that's that's how I felt in the competition. I felt then I could actually give it my all and, and not worry about losing. Yeah, love that, love that. Yeah, and what, like I say, and and you certainly, you certainly done it justice. And as like you said, as you come out and you and created what you have done with Etch, was was that process of like, like, like did, did you did you have to pitch the idea to a lot of people? Was it 
was it the first people we got in front of that bought into the idea and the vision or what was that process yeah, I like? mean, it was a tough process because you're dealing with people that are almost like sharks they used to like investing and used to get in their own way and like when you yeah. try and sell the dream about a restaurant and you're trying to sell it to people that want to make money there's it's not uh, the, the connection's not there because if you want to make money you're not going to invest in a restaurant so yeah. I, I literally must have spent about 18 months going down that road and then it was only you know I met my business partner who's still my business partner now a guy called Steve Barry who sees it from the other side so he was yeah. you know we came up with a plan together was like actually what could we give them apart from like dividends or you know like all the things that you normally get from a company you know the main things are like they're coming along the journey with 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 me you know yeah. they're, they're part of that restaurant experience you know the dividends aren't there, aren't there in the restaurant we just keep reinvesting in ourselves but you know they're able to come in and get a discount bring family and friends and say that they're part of that journey and i think it was building that up rather than you know like i think my first business pitch was like i'm willing to give away like 25 percent of the company but i wanted like a million pounds it was classic dragon's den i look back on it now and i was like why you know like why why did i do that because i was so obsessed with the 75 percent do, do you know what I mean? Whereas actually, you know, as long as I've got control and I'm the director of the company and I'm making the decisions and I'm the only one, then, you know, those, those things, it's just about getting the balance right. And I feel like we've got a great, a great team around us at Edge that they're not breathing down my neck and saying, why have you put that dish on or why have you done this? They're, they're taking, taking it for what it is. And, appreciating it and loving what we're doing and um i like a great they're great people to have behind me yeah because i guess like you said it's it's especially someone look because you obviously you, that creativity that you obviously love part of part of running a restaurant and creating the, the amazing dishes that you do is that's where that, your passion lies and that creativity and coming up with new new dishes and something different that, that, that's, that that's out there it's getting those people i guess like you say to to buy into that vision because i spoke to someone we were in hospital and said like, like you said to to make money out of a restaurant it's so tough like with the mm. margins these are like you know what one table doesn't turn up and that can affect the, the whole evening service or yeah i don't think i mean i know it's slowly getting out there but i, I sometimes think that the general public don't realize you know like how how valuable our guests are and i know that works both ways you know we could appreciate them a lot more and you know we try our best to to do that but also there's a lot of people out there that are just happy like not to not to ring up and say that they're not coming anymore or, or just to mm -hmm. say you know like just to give us a heads up because like especially for us we, we're like a 40 cover restaurant and we're only open four days a week so a table of two is actually really valuable to us yeah. um and yeah, I think you, you can make you can make money in restaurants, but you've got to make that decision that you're then not going to reinvest in your business. You're not then reinvesting in the team. Some, something's gonna something's gonna something's gonna fall, you know. Because if you're if you're taking stuff out of it, there's, I think you've got to be someone like Salt Bay, who is like who wants you either love him or hate him. But he actually his concept smashed it because he was making millions. Yeah, yeah, sure. And sure. then people complain about it because a restaurant shouldn't be making millions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, at home, who 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 cooks at home? 
you are Laura, Laura my wife's dad's yeah I leave her in charge of, of that I quite like being a comedy chef sometimes you know like I just like it like chop an onion do this do that but likewise <laughs> it flips but she she hates it if I taste her bolognese or something you know before she served it she thinks I'm getting too involved but um I think you've always got to have someone in charge of the kitchen haven't you like I can't just turn up on a Monday night and, you know, not have ordered anything, um, (laughs) you know, like take all the credit. So I just try and help out as much as I can. (laughs) When you say, when you, you obviously, like you said, you love food, you love eating out. um, And and part of, I guess, like research and stuff like that. Where's one of your favourite places to to go in Brighton other other than obviously your place? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd say like a competitor etch would be somewhere like Little Fish Market, which yeah, is just yeah. down the road. So they do a taster menu just of fish. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Really love it. And I mean, I never see it as competitors in the restaurant game because it's not like a bar bar where you go to the same guy. Like part yeah. of food is like diversity. You know, it's eating in different places and kind of like opening your horizons. You know, whether it's a freestyle meal where you've saved up for a special occasion or, you know, like we've got a great kebab house literally two doors down from it as well, which I'd mm-hmm. highly recommend, which people find strange because like, why would I be recommending a kebab house? But it is actually banging. Like it's, they do a great kebab. Um, nice. But, you know, where at? I mean, 64 degrees is, is always a, a good one. There's a place called The Set. <laughs> Um, you've got Market Hall, which has got a great collection of restaurants. I just think the Brighton and Hope food scene is quite unique in the fact that there's a lot of um, chef owners. Yeah, you know, you sure. actually, you know, the people that are cooking and creating the dishes are the people, you know, running the company. And yeah. I know that sounds strange, but if you go to other towns or cities, that's not always the case. Yeah, sure, sure. No, I think you're right. There is the, there's, a, there's an amazing for me definitely there's an amazing restaurant scene in in Brighton again. Me being a being a foodie and, and not playing as much football now, putting on a couple of pounds. I I, I love me food, mate. I love me food. But uh, it's amazing. Well, look, as, as we're sort of coming to it, tell me what, what what's what's the future hold for you? Because obviously you've got obviously Etch and obviously got Stephen Edwards at the Bingham as well now yeah. over in Richmond. How's that going over there? What's... Yeah, good. I was literally there today um, and back there tomorrow. I should have just stayed over, to be honest. I don't know why yeah, yeah. I came back. But, you know, it's just splitting my time between the two restaurants. I really enjoy that, uh, working with two head chefs. And, you know, it's really about not just creating the dishes, but creating the vision, you know, like how is the service? How can we improve the restaurant environment? How can we improve everything that we do? I really enjoy yeah. that challenge as well as trying to make it them both successful businesses as well. Um, what's next is I'd love to have a pub. I've been saying it for two or three years, but the really? time's just not been right. Like, especially with um, the staffing crisis, it just, you know, I don't want that on my plate at the yeah. moment. I'd rather like make Etch and the Bingham the best they can be at this moment in time, but I'd love to have a pub in the, in the near future. I just think it almost like creates you know, it completes the triangle because Etch is very much taster menu. It's all about the food there. Whereas the Bingham, it's a la carte foods, the views and the setting there are just phenomenal. Like you're on the outskirts of London, but you're right next to the River Thames and on a nice sunny day, even like today, it's just lovely like to see people out on the terrace like eating, yeah. whereas we don't get that at Etch. It's just the, the, the kitchen and the chefs that are the main focus. Yeah. 
So, what, like a, a country pub? What you, what you, what you yeah, hundred percent. I want somewhere where it's like Scotch eggs, pork pies, like proper <laughs> ale, in a you know, like one of those metal tankers. I, no, I want it. I want it to be like quality, but not yeah. pretentious. You know, I want it to be a pub. I don't want it to be like a, a pub that's really a restaurant. Yeah, sure. Love that. Love. And that, listen, listen to you talk. You can you can tell like with that creative like you you obviously from from Etch to obviously the Bingham and and as you're talking about a thing, but that, that I guess that you just got that clear vision in your head. It seems like you've got a clear vision of this is what I want to this is what I want to achieve for for each one. And I'm I'm sure as you've alluded to like each service every day is a learning curve and 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 you you're constantly learning trying to tweak and be spoken and make that whole experience that little bit that little bit no, better I, you, you, you hit, you've hit the nail on the head with with that it is literally fine-tuning both businesses and i think mm. the mistake i made at the begin the beginning of going to the bingham was like just expecting the same like the same similar challenges that we had at etch and the bingham but expecting the same answer and that was that was the learning curve for me because they're very different businesses and it's mm. really just trying to, to to work out what is best for each one of them separately because it's it's not the same you know like shoe fits all they're, they're different demographics and different expectancies and you know and that's why I say it is a venue at the Bingham people go there and not even not even know that there's a restaurant which is quite nice in some ways, but you've kind of got to realign those expectations that people will be like half an hour late for a table. Whereas at Etch, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> like people are yeah. like there, they come on time and that's when the experience starts. Yeah, sure. And do you, do you as much as obviously the cooking and, and the creating the dishes and the vision for that, do, do you enjoy the business side of it as well? Yeah, I do. I think I've really got into it over the last last couple of years. I mean, sometimes it scares me because, you know, just when you see figures, especially after what we've been through, it is like, are we living on a knife edge? But then I do see, you know, I'm a positive person. I do like to look at the positives and think, actually, we can come out of this good. You know, I feel like we've got a good business plan and I think we can move forward. But it's even now, like, I can't even, no one can predict the future, but generally, like, I always look back to 2017, 2018, it just seemed a lot easier to predict. It's like, here's the figures we had from last year. That should be what we're going to be doing this year with a little bit more. Whereas now I'm like, I've got no idea. We can only, it's almost like damage limitation. But again, being positive, it's like, how do we still move forward as a business? How do we reinvest in ourselves? How do we make ourselves different from everyone else? So it's still exciting having those, those ideas, but just being, just being more creative in a different way. Yeah, I love that. Right, look, mate, we're, we're, we're coming to the end. I, 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 I'd have to ask you as a chef, and I'm sure you get asked this a million times, but what if you could have your last dish what, like, to eat, what would it be? Well, it dish. normally changes all the time. Like I went through this phase of loving pizza or loving McDonald's, but at the moment it's like steak and chips like and Bernays sauce. That's, that's what I fancy at the moment. So I don't know, like something like char-grilled, like the steak char-grilled, waggy beef would be lovely. Bernays, I'll probably have a heart attack after eating it, the way I'm creating this in my head. But uh, it wouldn't matter if it's my last supper anyway. Yeah, you take that. But like chips, they've got to be French fries, I think, with steak. You can't have, I don't like these like chunky chips. I think they're... You're not a fan of chunky chips? No, I'm not. I want them like thin and crispy. Nice, nice. 
and and, and, you, and you go to McDonald's, you you don't mind a McDonald's. Yeah. I love McDonald's. <laughs> I'm not like, ashamed to say it. Again, look, people like the same with the kebab house. Like people are just like shocked when I say it, but I love to think <laughs> my diet my diet is varied, and I like that about it. You know, I can appreciate food for what for what it is. I'm not, you know. I always look at like value as well. Like if I pay money and I don't feel like I've got the value and I know that's easy for me to say, like having a restaurant that charges a bit of money, but I do think we give our guests value, you know, what you get and what you pay and you're there for three hours and you're really taken care of. There is value in that. Just the same as like McDonald's charging like five pound 50 for, for a meal. I I see value in that as well. Yeah. I love that. And And for me, uh, obviously at etch and, and places like that where you play pay that premium but it's not it's not just about a it is it's about a whole experience isn't it that's what yeah. you create yeah yeah from the moment like you make the booking all the way through to to trying to make your next reservation with us like that's yeah. quite a big time scale in there that like, we have to be on our game like we're putting that pressure on ourselves and you know not every business is like that you know, sometimes they just want to grab your money and, and, and give you some food. Like, but I, I really think we care and, and go the extra mile, which I think is really important, especially nowadays where people are a little bit, you know, like there's some businesses out there that are really like quite stressy, you know, they almost like seem like they're not looking after their guests. And I think now is the time to look after them because everyone's feeling a little bit stressed and needing a hug almost. Mate, absolutely we all need that we all need that yeah listen i'm so grateful for you for you jumping on tonight and i've you know, wanted to meet and chat with you for such a long time and um it's amazing what you've achieved obviously with etching and obviously and the bingham and watch your journey and continue to grow and it's fascinating but look we're going to finish up with our quick fire questions if i can mate oh, so perfect. what one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self I think it's not to be as cheeky. I was, I was a cheeky chappy and working in the kitchens. I think we touched on it earlier. They're quite like hostile places. I just got kicked out of a couple of kitchens quite early on. Just thinking, you know, like I thought I knew everything already. So it would just be to get my head down, focus. And I see it now with um, teenagers coming in. They, I don't think they realize the opportunity that they've got and those opportunities soon run out if you're, if you're not careful. Yeah. Love that. Who, who's been your biggest inspiration throughout your life and why? I'd say it's my parents, like both of them, um, just because they've been there like from, from the beginning, but also in, in their careers. Like, you know, my, my dad was um, like a general manager of a hotel. My mum was a housekeeper. So not they weren't chefs, but they're part of the industry. And yeah. they were always ashamed almost of like what they, you know, being part of hospitality, whereas I'm really proud of it. And even though they tried to put me off, I've, I've loved proving them wrong that it, it can be a successful career. Love that. Love that. Um, could you recommend a book or a podcast to our listeners that maybe has had an impact on you? Yeah, hundred percent. Like one of my first cookbooks I got, and it's a little bit niche. It was a book called essence by uh, a chef called David Everett Mateus. And he's a two star chef from Cheltenham. And it's just, Everything about the book was like so ahead of its time. You know, I was 20, so it would have been, I don't know, 2005 or 2006 that it came out. And everything about it was just so inspirational. It was just different. I think yeah. uh, Gordon Ramsay did the foreword on it. But it's what you call like a chef's book to get to get your creativity going. Like he's doing yeah. things like acorn panna cottas. 
and like you know on um like i think it's called the coxcomb i mean i've never even cooked with it you know the little thing on top of the cockerel heads yeah. you know the red spiky thing he was like braising that down and making a dish from that it's just <laughs> almost like ahead of its time because now you know whenever we go through periods of hardship there's always chefs trying to create dishes out of underutilized produce so wow, okay. whether that is acorns and, and coxcombs <laughs> then uh that, that's what it was but i just love the way that he was able to create create like fine dining from those ingredients that you just see you know lying around love that mate finally what is your one rule for living a fulfilled life i think positivity is my my biggest thing no, no matter what happens i always try and put a positive spin on it and sometimes that gets me into trouble because i'm almost like like a labrador bouncing like from left <laughs> to right you know like i take on challenges like yeah let's do this let's do that but honestly honestly think like that's the best way to be like because otherwise i think it just sets your mindset in the, in the wrong direction and then less opportunities will come and it takes you down a completely different path i echo that i love it look i'm similar I'm always optimistic positive like you say you take i'm a yes man so say oh, that, that'd yeah. be a good idea yeah i mean i mean let's do yeah. that and i'll think about it later what did i say yes to that but look like I, I I always believe life's an opportunity and yeah them, you know yeah 100% mate listen I I know you've done a service tonight and you've come straight home and jumped up here and I'm 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 really really grateful for supporting this and um it's been a it's been an amazing look number 13 I'm over halfway now so um mate 13 is my lucky number as well so uh that was when I saw that come up I was like wow and uh, yeah, it's honestly the latest interview I've ever done. So that, that goes in the record <laughs> books as well for me. Hey, we're, mate, we're winning. We're winning. Um, listen, no, I'm so great. I'm going to come down and see you at soon. And we're, and oh, it'd be great to get you. And, um, mate, thanks for the invite legend. as well. I've loved it. Oh, mate, you've been an absolute legend. And thank you so much. And I'll catch up thank with you, you soon. Good luck. Best. Good luck with the rest. Thanks a lot. And that is a wrap. Right. Thank you.